Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Transfer Portal CFB podcast presented by No Context CFB. I'm your host, Dylan Rubin King. I got my guy, Adam, out here who is snowed into his house out there. How are we living? <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm snowed in. I'm more iced in. Um, it's not much snow, but it's, it has it, morale is low. Morale is low right now. Um, I'm not used to being inside for this long. Try and go outside. It was cold. It's, um, it's not great. I feel you, man. I empathize with you. I mean, I, I can't, you know, I can't say I sympathize because I'm, I'm out here, uh, you know, 45 degrees and, and doing just fine. So, you know, no snow on the ground. Everything is is nice and easy. But, you know, I feel for you, man. Hopefully everything clears up pretty soon and you can get back out there and do whatever it is that Mr. Adam Coleman does. <laughs> I like your shirt, though. Yes, sir, man. This I'm pretty sure this is the first podcast we've had where uh, we've got some Transfer Portal official merch. Uh, we're not selling it just yet, but this is just for the co-founders as of right now. Maybe we'll we'll sell it someday once we've got the LLC going on. So, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to you know wearing this more on the on the show and representing the the Transfer Portal CFB. I'm hoping to get a hat soon to match. So I'm, I'm head yeah. to toe. Transfer what color is the hat? I feel like the hat can't be blue. No, I'm thinking black. It's black. It can master with everything. Yeah. Yeah. Nice and easy. I'm always a, a black hat guy though. So, you know, works for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, uh, you know, we're in the thick of the off season here, man. There's not a lot going on. We, you know, the shrine bowl is as we're recording right now. So uh, go on and check out the YouTube channel for that. Liam and a uh, special guests were on the, on the pod talking about that a little bit. So you know, today we wanted to talk about some of the coaching carousel news that's still going on. We talked about it a little bit, you and I, about the Alabama offensive coordinator opening. Tommy Reese has been linked to it about a week after Washington OC. Ryan Grubb was linked to it, and apparently he turned it down. So I'm curious about your thoughts on, you know, Tommy Reese potentially leaving his alma mater one year after he was like, no, I'm good to leave and to go to LSU with Brian Kelly and stay in put. And, uh, you know, do you think this will be a good fit for Alabama? Um, I think it's a great fit for for Tommy Reese because it seems like the Alabama OC, that's that if you succeed there, it catapults you to whatever job you want to be. Uh, Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian. Um, but for Alabama, I guess it makes sense. Um, I'm not I'm not sure. I, I'm I think there's better options, but I don't think it's terrible. Like, so I've seen some people think it's just a terrible move. I think for what Alabama has, Tom Reese has shown that he's able to work with, I don't want to say lesser options, but that Notre Dame team wasn't spectacular, right? Um, Don't really have a quarterback at Alabama yet, so you need someone that can kind of, you know, make things work when all the pieces aren't set and Tom Reese has done that. So I think it makes sense for both sides. You got to remember Tommy Reese will be 31 years old this upcoming season. Um, and he's already been an offensive coordinator for three years, has worked at the NFL level for a year with the chargers, um, has been a quarterback at the college level at Notre Dame, got some starts, was the backup when they lost, you know, coincidentally to Alabama in the national championship in 2012. So, you know, he's he's a rising star in the ranks. And I remember last year he said something about how there are very, very few options or deals out there that could take me away from Notre Dame as that's his 
alma mater, his dream school, all that sort of stuff. Um, and like you said, there's not a lot necessarily, there hasn't been a lot to work with for him at Notre Dame. Um, you know, not necessarily a, a talent, uh, I, I wouldn't say a deprived source uh, at Notre Dame. You know, they do have some talent, have some guys, but the quarterbacks that he's worked with haven't necessarily been NFL guys. You know, Ian Book is probably the top guy there. Drew Pine had some moments this year, um, but you think he'd like the opportunity to coach Sam Hartman this year. And you you probably think that Sam Hartman, you know, a big deal of a big reason why he came to South Bend was to work with Tommy Reese. So, um, yeah, this is one of the very few uh, options that he mentioned that I think would be better for Tommy Reese. But like you said, for Alabama, um, you like the opportunity to have a young offensive coordinator because that's the way college football is going. And, um, you know, Nick Saban has until 2029 for his his contract when he'll be 78 when that runs through. And he's talked about how that would be, um, you know, the ideal move would be to go through that contract and you know, maybe what he's hiring right now could be his his potential replacement down the line at the end of the decade. You know, who knows the coaching carousel? Guys just don't stick around at, at the assistant positions for longer than three, four years at this point. So um, you never know. I mean, I think Tommy Reese kind of has a, a general idea of how to run an offense, um, a balanced offense at that, because Alabama, you know, they like to run the ball, but They've had prolific passers over the years. Mac Jones, Tua, Bryce Young. Um, I think the Notre Dame passing offense has left a little bit to be desired, even with a quarterback at the helm there um, calling the plays. But, um, you know, working with Nick Saban and some of those guys on the staff and obviously having a probably a bit more talent, you could safely say, um, on the Alabama roster than the Notre Dame roster. I think Reese would be set up for success, but I tend to agree with you. I think Alabama could probably do a little bit better here. Um, it's it's kind of weird that they would go for a guy who's only been a coordinator for a couple of years. It doesn't really seem like a Nick Saban move. Well, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I was, Nick Saban, he's, he's, he's the best, in my opinion. That's why I think he's been good for so long at adjusting and shifting his beliefs to how college football is going, you know, the, the air raid, the spread offense. He hated that. And now look, that's, that's what they run. Um, transfer portal NIL. He didn't really like it, but he's getting with the program. And like, as you said that the, the shift is going from to, to young coordinators. Cause I think that's just what works. That's how you're able to reach kids. You build a relationship with kids easier just if you're younger, you're more in tune. And there, there probably are better coaching options than Tommy Reese, but there might not be better personnel, like people, person options. Sure. And I think that is might might have been the key factor. Tommy Reese can reach his his young quarterback, his young team, and develop them better than say an older, more established offensive coordinator could so that's me sure shout out to him. i think the i think the last time if i remember correctly if i read this right i think the last time nick saban hired a super young coordinator was when he was at lsu and he brought in will muschamp at, at defensive coordinator i think he was like 31 32 at the time um so this isn't completely new territory for nick saban um, to hire a younger, you know, potentially this isn't agreed upon yet, um, but to potentially bring in a, a younger coordinator. And I think that's the way they want to go because, you know, Ryan Grubb, I think is a, as a rising star as well. 
Um, and I'm not quite sure how old Grubb is, but I know he's, I think he's a, a younger guy. He's been around a bit longer than Reese has at the coaching level. Um, but he's still getting his feet wet at the power five level. Um, you know, Washington, this is his first year at the power five level after spending some time with Fresno state and Eastern Michigan. So, um, you know, I think Reese is, is probably a, I don't want to say it's a step down from what Grubb could have been because we don't really know um, what Grubb, his ceiling is because, you know, this was year one under Washington. Um, this could have been a really good fit for, for Ryan Grubb in, in Alabama. Uh, I think I like that fit a little bit better. Um, but at the same time, Washington had a very pass heavy offense. Um, and I don't know if that's the route that Nick Saban would want to go, even though I think that is like we talked about the trend a little bit is more of a, a pass heavy offense. Um in the spread offense, like you talked about. So, um, you know, Grubb, I, I'm, I think Grubb is smart to, to turn it down, to be honest with you. I think they've got something building in, in Washington and in Seattle. That's a really good place for him to, to stick with Kalen DeBoer, who he stuck around with for a couple of years at Fresno State. Um, and, you know, I, I don't really see Tommy Reese taking this job because, you know, he seems like a guy who's very committed to his alma mater. Um, seems like a guy who wants to build that program. And I think the offense has a little bit more potential than it's had in a couple of years with Sam Hartman coming in. Um, so I don't know if, if Reese isn't the guy, who do you think they should go after? Oh man. I think if he's not the guy, they got to pick somebody young, huh? That's clearly what they want. I remember when we did our, clearly it's not going to, I don't think it's going to be Joe Brady. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know, honestly. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be in Nick Saban's position because you got you got to figure this out quick, huh? Well, here's the the crazy headline from this. If if Reese turns him down, that's two coordinators yeah. that turn down Nick Saban. Like how we, we usually don't get a lot of you know the the headlines, the confirm headlines about like oh this guy for sure turned it down. It's usually just reports. Um, so there's only kind of reports and rumors about the whole grub situation. And then, you know, with the Reese situation, um, a lot of his sources, I think football scoop was the first one to report the, the Tommy Reese zoom meeting. And they've got like a private jet out there for him at South Bend that picked him up. And, you know, they're out here spending a whole day talking ball, but if that's two coordinators that have talked with Saban and learned about his vision, what he wants for that role, and they both turned him down, does Nick Saban still got it? Is that something that we need to start <laughs> <He> might, asking? <laughs> might not have the juice. He, we know he can still recruit players because they have the number one oh, yeah. class. But, um, yeah, if if he doesn't get his guy, do you think he goes for just kind of a safe hire, maybe on, on a short-term deal? Not what I see, see him doing. In hiring from within, perhaps. Um, you know, maybe bring a, a, a former quarterback from – uh, you know, days past bringing like Blake Sims or something like that. Like, hey, you, you used to be a quarterback here. Do you want to call some plays? Oh, AJ McCarron. I mean, yeah, AJ McCarron. Hey, what are you out there doing these days? And he's not on the NFL roster, I don't think. You know, come come coach for me. I mean, I, Nick Saban was a, a defensive guy. He's, he's, he can't call. You know, they're not, they're not going to pull a Matt Patricia with the Patriots. They're not going to have him calling offensive plays. I mean, I'm sure he's smart enough to probably put it together, mm -hmm. but like, you know, is that the last resort? Is Nick Saban saying, screw it, I'll do it myself? <laughs> that would be funny. And knowing Nick Saban, he'd probably be amazing at it and they end up winning. That would that would <laughs> that would just be like the cherry on top of his career. Like, you know, in his last year at 71, 72 years old, just saying, Hey, you know what? 
let's try something new. Let's just screw around here. Let's call offensive plays. Um, you know, playing uh, with house money now, guy. you might as well, right? Yeah. Just saying, hey, you know what? What else do I have to prove? So let me just call offensive plays and um, let's win a natty with with me just saying, screw it. I'll I'll create a, a system that fits what I think we need. And <laughs> yeah, watch them win. Wouldn't that be insane? I want to see that now. We got we to oh, start man. the petition. Well, see if we can get that to Nick's desk. Yeah. But, uh, you know, speaking of NIL, we talked about that's kind of the trend uh, these days. And National Signing Day just passed, and Alabama had the top recruiting class. But, you know, you have to wonder how big of a role did that NIL play in bringing in such a, an elite class? And, you know, it it doesn't seem like it's it's got a complete chokehold on college football recruiting yet. But for some guys, that seems to be the, you know, the whole, the whole factor there, like Jaden Rashada pretty much only signed with Florida because of that, what it was a $13 million deal that they were going to spread out across uh, four years or whatever it was. So, you know, some guys, that is the complete priority. Like these guys just want to bag while they can, while they're at the college level. Um, I'm not saying I blame them. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm not going to be the old man screaming at the cloud or anything. (laughs) Um, You know, I like that players can get this, but at the same time, if you're a head coach or assistant coaches, it completely changes the way that you recruit high school kids because now they're like hey you know for example if you're nick saban you're talking to this kid who's getting 13 million from florida or 10 million from miami or whatever like how do you compete with that does you know the ability to recruit guys to go to the nfl or to win championships does that get you anywhere anymore i mean it that seems like a crazy question to ask but you know it doesn't seem like you have to be this nfl factory or um you know insanely genius coach to get a high school recruit because you know money talks yeah that's what i was gonna say if for it de- it depends on your mindset for some coaches it's easier right no. <laughs> you know like you don't have to sit there and go watch this kid's basketball game go watch his baseball game in the off season you know you can just, oh okay what do you want how much you want okay welcome aboard and and you're done but i will say um i think that for some coaches, it's also, it's also easier in the other way that if all the kid wants is money, you kind of see where his mindset is at. And you might not want that at your program. It's a it's a quick way to tell who really wants to be here and he wants to be here because of money. And that doesn't always work, um, especially in college when you have young kids who they don't really, they're not, they're not the best at making decisions. We were there once, right? <laughs> so, um, and you kind of you kind of see that at Texas A and M, where you have all these transfers and stuff. A lot of them might 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 have been there for money, and that they didn't really want to be there. And so, if you don't win, and a player doesn't want to be there, problems are just bound to happen. And I think Nick Saban kind of touched on that in an interview once, as well, but. And it's something that I worry about for my school because we're we're big on NIL too. I wonder how many kids actually want to be there. I think the the transfer portal it showed you, um, you know, all those guys that transferred that were elite recruits that went to A and M that didn't get a lot of playing time. It's like, you know, of course the NIL is the reason why you go there, perhaps, but you know, if you're not getting playing time and then you leave, it's like, well, did you just really just want to get the bag and leave? Was that the whole point? You know, what's the point of you know? putting out pads and 
you know, writing, um, you know, signing the NIL or NOI, uh, rather, um, you know, if you're just there to get a bag and, and not try to help your team win, um, you know, it feels like there's kind of, it's, it's not a trend yet, I wouldn't say, but it feels like there are a lot of kids out there now who don't have the, I guess the pedigree for winning and, you know, competition, you know, they really just want the opportunity to build their own brand and to make money. And I really can't say I blame them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if the opportunity's there, take it. It's absolutely, you know, it's easy. I shouldn't say it's easy because uh, not every kid gets the power five offers, but um, you know, if you are an elite recruit, it is easy for you to get money as a high school kid. And now you've got these kids who are getting, uh, you know, marketing agents and reps and all that sort of stuff. I mean, when I was 17, 18 years old, I didn't know shit about making and keeping money. <laughs> so, you know, that's something that kind of worries me too, is like, you know, what are these kids getting themselves into? Um, how educated are they? Are high school football coaches, um, you know, telling these kids about all this NIL stuff? Are their parents having to do this? Like, you know, with everything going on with so many kids with offers left and right and visits and some of them play multiple sports, like how in tuned are they with NIL and, and what it actually means and what they can make money off of? And how do they know that some of these companies aren't, you know, screwing them and just trying to make, um, you know, a buck off of their name, image and likeness. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot of things to consider if you're an 18 year old kid that's getting offers from every power five school. Yeah. And I will say to, to play devil's advocate for the people that hate NIL or the, sure. I don't say, Hey, they don't like it. I kind of understand where they're coming from me. I'm all for it. I think they should get paid. Right. I love it. Um, but it kind of, the reason why we love college football is because how close everything is, right. We're on the same campus, you know, you, it's, it's, it's just, I feel like it's just more passion than the NFL. And I think a lot of that, comes from you're you choose to go there you're not getting paid to go there right in the nfl team a lot of players they go there for because they get offered you know a lot of money right they don't they're they're not really fans of the university you know there's no stetson bennett you know there's no sam elliger wearing a texas jersey and then want wanting to play for the longhorns with nil you're getting more of that NFL feel where, you know, as fans, right, we, we love our teams, right? But a player might not love the team as much. To him, it might be it's just a game. And college, I think some people are worried that we might lose that, that passion from some of the players. And you see, we already see it with coaches. They don't care. They'll leave right away. You've got to compare it to adults who take jobs that they don't really want, but it's because the pay is good. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you're not putting on a happy face every day. You're not following a passion. But if an opportunity is there and you might not get another opportunity like that, you know, look at Jaden Rashada. Chances were if if that collective deal hadn't uh, hadn't played off, um, you know, hadn't fallen through rather, um, you know, he probably would have stayed at Florida. Um, but would he have really wanted to be there? Um, you know, when he committed to Arizona State, he was talking about, you know, this is this is my true home. This is my I believe he said it was my dad's alma mater. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this is kind of where he wanted to be all along was the vibe that he he put out. So, you know, he had originally committed to Miami. There's NIL stuff going on there. Same thing at Florida. Um, you know, I, I'm really just using Rashad as an example here, but he's kind of the poster child of this. 
NIL madness at this point at the college football level. So, um, yeah, I think you nailed it with the the passion and the kids that want to be there. Um, you know, the the whole reason why before NIL that you committed to a school is because you committed to the school. Um, you committed to a coach, uh, you know, a coaching staff, um, you know, a brand even in the case of Alabama, LSU, Oregon, Michigan, that sort of thing. You commit to to all of that. And of course, there are schools that had more resources for these kids, like the schools I mentioned, more so than, you know, the group of five or FCS schools. Um, you know, and there's reason to want to go there because those schools can help you get uh, a better career down the line after football. Um you know, and in, in, in the NFL drafted that there's a better potential of you going to the NFL from schools like that. But um, now, you know, with money like Rashada was getting offered, you don't really need to go to the NFL. You don't really need to find a school that's going to help you get there if they're offering you that because $13 million is life changing money, um, mm-hmm. you know, on top of having your scholarship already paid for and, you know, everything that you're doing on campus paid for, you know, 13 million on top of that over four years, you know. I mean, of course, you can make more money in the NFL than that, for sure, with the money that, you know, starting quarterbacks are making nowadays. But you don't absolutely need to go to a school and and try to get to the NFL to get a bag. You can just go to college, get your bag and leave if you really want to. Yeah. And I think uh, that's one of the reasons why I love it, because before, you know, if let's just take Jalen Rashad, say he, he goes to, to Florida, he gets hurt. Right, his a career-ending injury. Yeah. Well, the school owes him nothing now, but an education. But we all know that's that's not enough for that's not equal compensation for what these football players bring to the program. I don't care what anybody says; it's not. I just wish that there was some middle ground. I think I think we're going to get there. Right now, it's just a free for all. I wish there was some middle ground where players are able to benefit for what they do for the university, but it's not just I'm the highest bidder is going to win. Right. I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to say a salary cap, but just some, some sort of rules or regulations where like players have to get compensated, right? Reggie Bush, Johnny Menzel, they deserve to get compensated for everything that they've done. But I just, I just need that middle ground. Now, I think we're going to get there. We have to, or else is, this is going to be the wild, wild west. I hope we get there soon, though. For sure. And here's another thing to keep in mind and a reason why I'm for, you know, potentially kids just getting a bag and, and leaving. You know, I'm like I said, I, it might sound like I'm against it. I'm just trying to think of all sides here. But if a kid does, you know, get his NIL and, and get that money and then gets like a, a training camp deal in the NFL um, or a preseason deal and he's, you know, doesn't get a huge rookie contract. The thing in the NFL, and I, I might have my numbers wrong here. I'm not 100% sure where they're at specifically, but a lot of times NFL players, the longer you play, you will become like a vested player and you will get, you know, like a pension, I believe, and you'll get, uh, you know, insurance and all that sort of stuff. I think it's three or four years after your third year entering your fourth, maybe, uh, where you get some more money. And I know this is a lot of uh, topic when DeMar Hamlin had his injury because he was only in his second or third year and he didn't have that pension and insurance and all that sort of stuff. And they had to put in like a waiver to to get that for him because um, he wasn't a vested player yet. So if for whatever reason, um, if a player, uh, an elite player from a, a college, a power five college gets to the NFL and gets hurt and doesn't get 
you know, that backup, then the NIL money can definitely play into that as well. So um, it's just always a, an insurance blanket, if you will, um, you know, for whatever happens after football or whatever happens after even their college career entering the NFL. So it's always nice to have that. And, and plus, you know, I've, I've been friends with college athletes, um, you know, before NIL was a thing. And, you know, sometimes I'd have to have to pay for them. Uh, you know, if we went to like, you know, Chipotle or, or whatever it is, uh, because a lot of times back then, college athletes, you know, you can't really get jobs um, because, you know, the the weight of school and practice and all that stuff, you just don't have time to to make money. And, you know, even though you have a scholarship paid for and all that stuff, of course, that's great. But, you know, you don't have that. You didn't have that income before. So, you know, you can always just get you know, a snack at the the grab and go or, you know, get yourself a meal at, uh, in between classes or whatever. So that, you know, and I all helps with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think all in all, it's a good thing for college football and the players. And that's really all that matters. Um, yeah. I don't really care about the universities or the NCAA if they don't like it. Well, we're not here to advocate <laughs> for the NCAA and that's not what we're about. No. But I'm I'm curious about the Rashada thing specifically. Do you feel like this is an, an anomaly at this point in college football and college sports in general, or do you think we're really going to see more uh, stories like this? Um, and if so, do you think there needs to be regulation on like what uh, collectives within the university can do? Uh, like for example, Oregon's got boosters all over the place, like Phil Knight, Nike. Um, you know, same thing with like Michigan, Oklahoma. They've got Jordan. North Carolina, they got Jordan. So do you think those collectives, um, do you think there should be some sort of regulation around any of that for, for high school kids specifically? Um, yes, because for one, it, just, it's, it seems like you're taking advantage of someone who doesn't really, like I said, we, in high school, we don't know how to make, make the best decisions, right? We, we know we're kind of just tunnel vision. We can't see the bigger picture. And it seems like a lot of these schools are, or I mean, it's, it's a way for them to take advantage of that. I don't think this is going to be the last time. Um, I don't think it's been the first time. It's just been the most publicized, in my opinion. Um, it's tough. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a weird situation. Like 13 mil, and then they said that they didn't have the 13 mil. Is that, is that the official story? Yeah, something fell through. I don't know if it was they didn't have the money. I, I think that was a report I did see, um, or maybe something just fell through. Um, I'm not 100 sure what what exactly happened, but yeah, it, it fell apart. Yeah, um, I don't think this is going to be the last time. It's just so, so these these big time programs are going to just throw cash at these kids, and it. I'm glad that it fell through before he signed, right? Because. Yeah. If it didn't, then that that looks really bad on the university. Um, so he's where he, he ended up where he wants to be. So all in all, I call it a win, but I don't think it's going to be the last time. And I think, you, like you said, you, they got to put some sort of rules cap. You have to play a certain amount of games, even even one game. I don't even care. It can be they they can, they can appear in one game, be on the roster for one game, and they're good. But something. What you said kind of, and I, I agree with you, but I think it brings up another point where you said, I'm glad it happened before he signed. But at the same time, should any of that had even happened before he signs? Like, should the NIL conversation even be a part of 
recruiting, I guess, you know, if you want to zoom out a little bit, should all this NIL talk, collective booster talk, these deals with big companies, should any of that play into recruiting before a kid signs? You have to kind of know it's coming, um, you know, if you end up going to a school and signing. So it's kind of hard to like keep it away from a kid um, before they sign. Um, But at the same time, it feels like they're just kind of using it to get kids that maybe don't even fit their football team um, or the kid doesn't even want to be a part of that, that program. Um, You know, they're just kind of like dangling money in front of their face and Mm -hmm. having them, uh, you know, go chase it down. So, (laughs) you know, we talked about the the passion thing. I I feel like when you're, you're throwing money at them before they've signed anything to a school um, you're kind of testing where their priorities are. And I think maybe that could be an area of regulation is when these negotiations can happen. Um, Cause it feels like, you know, high school sophomores and and juniors, even they're getting recruited now um, and getting offers and who knows when it, when it starts, are you throwing these deals at high school sophomores and juniors? Um, I mean, how many they, NIL deals do you think Ronnie was getting? They probably are. I think it's, it's, it's one of those things where if I don't do it, I know another school is. I think that's where it, what it's coming down to. Yep. Um, so it's like they, they probably know, like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be offering this 14-year-old freshman, <laughs> you know, a million-dollar NIL deal. But if I don't do it now and kind of get in good with him and build that relationship, Nick Saban's going to do it in two years and then – I'm not Nick Saban, so I'm going to lose out. So I think that's – it's kind of like these – in my opinion, it seems like these these smaller schools are trying to trying to catch up. This is their – this is their end, their route to catching Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. And so I think that that's where you're seeing all these huge deals for these players coming in. I feel like something that came to my mind is like, an unpaid intern versus uh, someone who's on salary. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if you're on a, if you're on a team with all these guys, like superstars who are getting all this money, but yet you weren't getting all the NIL stuff. Does your commitment to the coach and to the program kind of waver a little bit because you're not getting that money while you're in school? You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it kind of, does. I think that's, that's where it comes down to. Are you where you want to be? Right. If you're where you want to be, you have you love the school that you play for, then you'll probably you'll be happy for for your brothers and you gotta get better to get your own bag, you know. But if you sign to somewhere for let's say 200 k and you don't want to be there, and then somebody else who's coming in is getting even more, then that's when problems happen. This is a a very lengthy conversation about, I feel like we're going in circles, but, you know, I'm trying to get the the wheels churning here a little bit because NIL, there's, you know, like we've talked about, there's a lot to it and a lot that every school, every coach, yeah, everybody's got to figure this out because it's it's far from figured out. Um, And I'm glad we're having these conversations that kids can actually have these opportunities. Um, But of course, there's there's a lot to figure out about it. So um, is there anything else you wanted to bring up while we're, while we're spewing about NIL and, you know, why it seems like I might hate it, even though I don't, I promise you. <laughs> Dan's going to write an article about you, Dylan. You uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. need to watch out. Yeah. Or in response to Dylan Rubin King's <laughs> blabber mouth thing on the NIL podcast. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it, Dan. 
But no, I think I think we pretty much covered it. Just figure it out, somebody. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, these schools can really do whatever they want. I mean, a lot of these Power Five schools have a lot of money, uh, you know, from TV deals, from you know, like Oregon. I, I use Nike as a as a example because you know that's probably the one that's playing the biggest role is Nike, Jordan, Adidas, all these ones that are giving them, you know, all this gear and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I kind of use that as the biggest example, but, um, you know, those schools, they can really do whatever the hell they want. And I feel like they're going to find a way to bend the rules anyway, because they're, you know, they're Alabama, because they're Michigan, because they're Georgia, because they're Oregon and they have all this money. Um, I feel like they kind of get the say over, um, you know, what the NCAA thinks, because it's like, Hey, we've got all this money. We can pay whoever the hell we want, whatever the hell we want. Um, and they still have the the freedom to get deals outside of the school collectives, outside of the boosters. They can go get on, you know, Dr. Pepper commercials if they want to while they're still <laughs> in school. And, uh, you know, there's nothing that the NCAA can really do about it because they approved that rule and they approved it without. I feel like they didn't really think it through as as much. I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of thought process to it, but there are so many other loopholes and uh, opportunities that I don't really think the NCAA considered um, when well, they didn't, put well, didn't they lose? Effect. Didn't they lose a court ruling? So they, they didn't have a choice? Yeah, no, they didn't have a choice. Um, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that. It wasn't the NCAA's necessarily approval of it, but obviously they have to abide by it. Yeah. Um, they had an know, opportunity but, to do yeah. it, but they chose not to. And so here's what we get. Once again, NCAA let us down. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for correcting me on that. Yeah. It was not completely there up to them, uh, which I'm kind of glad it wasn't because, you know, the NCAA has enough overarching power, I think. So I'm glad that this came down to the court and it came down to, um, you know, legalities and stuff like that. But at the same time, there's still a lot to figure out. So did I miss anything? Were we? Do we have anything else on the docket to talk about today? Um, no, I think, think, think we got it. All right. Well, thank you for listening to my, uh, uh, ill-informed garbage. I'm sure <laughs> is what some, somebody on YouTube is probably going to say, um, about the NIL, but of course I'm, I'm very excited about the, the opportunities. I don't know if that's clear, but I'm excited about the opportunities that, yeah, that kids can get. And I feel bad for the Reggie Bushes and the Johnny Menzels of the world, that could have made serious, just stupid money off of NIL back in the day. Um, but I'm, I'm sure that, you know, it's only going to get better and it's only going to get crazier from here on out. So feel free to let us know what you think about the NIL and how it plays into recruiting and the transfer portal and all that sort of stuff. Make sure to like and subscribe. We've got a lot of YouTube content, a lot of Spotify, Apple content coming for you. So however you check out our content, make sure you are plugged in because even even though it's the off season, we don't sleep. So thank you everybody so much for tuning in and we will see you in the next podcast.